and welcome to the third season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Aliza Greenberg. Aliza is the Arts Enrichment Coordinator at Learning Spring School, a school for students on the autism spectrum. She is also the project leader for Supporting Transitions with the Museum Arts and Culture Access Consortium, or MAC, a project to increase cultural opportunities for adults with autism, and a teaching artist with CoLab Theater Group. She holds a BA from Bryn Mawr College and a Master's of Education in Arts and Education from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. We're going to talk today about the Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice musical, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Hi, Lisa. Um, hey. It's, it's good to have you on the podcast. Hi, it's good to be here. Um, Eliza is a very special guest because she is actually my sister. And so I apologize if uh, at some points you can't tell our voices apart. We unfortunately have the same voice, which doesn't work well for podcasts. But um, hopefully it'll just be clear from context um, who's speaking. We'll do our best. Um so great let's get started with our get to know our guest questions what was your first experience with a musical my first experience seeing a broadway musical was meet me in st louis um but and of course i had seen the movie we had seen the movie many Mm -hmm. times before that um but had always grown up listening to music, listening to musicals. Well, we watched a lot of Sound of Music, but only the first part because our tape cut off. Yeah, it was so on two we, tapes. Yeah. Because um, that's what, I guess, fit on VHS tapes at the time. So Sound of Music was on two tapes. So where did it end? After she left yeah. the party. We didn't get to, like, the whole Escape the Nazis Yeah, we never situation. watched that. Um, yeah. It was a very rosy um, picture of <laughs> what that movie was. What is the last great musical you saw? I mean, we saw, right before everything shut down, we saw Unsinkable Molly Brown, mm-hmm. which was, I had never, I didn't know anything about it, except just that she was on the Titanic and, you know, um, from the movie Titanic is all I knew about her really Mm -hmm. and didn't know anything about the musical and really enjoyed the production and Beth Malone was great. Yeah, that show was interesting because it wasn't, apparently it wasn't what the original show was. The book was like completely rewritten. Um, But if you don't, if you didn't know the the show previously it would just seem like oh this is the musical some of this they um had some of the songs most of the songs were the same and then some of them they um kind of repurposed and and everything but i know that next to me there was a couple who were confused why 
this wasn't the show they remembered. So that was interesting too. Yeah. It, was that, it was nice to see it in that space at Abrams Art Center because it was like very small. It was like a big, it felt like a big, like Broadway type musical, mm-hmm. but you was it was very intimate in the space that it was in. And so, you know, the actors were like walking through mm-hmm. the house and it, it felt like very intimate. Yeah. Which was nice. I mean, I've also re-seen a few musicals. We, I, we went to Wicked mm-hmm. with our brother and to the TDF uh, Autism Friendly Performance. Yeah. Which is always a lovely event. And I, like, seeing Wicked again, I've seen it so many times, but it's such a great show. Uh, what's a musical people might be surprised to find out you love, and why would they be surprised? Well, the topic that I wanted to talk about, I feel like, is probably the answer to this question, which is Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know if this will be a surprise to people, though, that I love it. It might really fit right in with how they think of me, but I don't know. Maybe something like, I don't know, like Sunday in the Park with George. I know it's not your favorite musical or anything. But, I like it. But you like it. Yeah. Um, and I guess I would be surprised because it's, like, it's less for kids and you're more into stuff that's, like, for kids. Um, I don't know. It's a little more esoteric than the stuff that... It's very cerebral. Yeah, it's very cerebral. I think people generally know I like, like, the Sondheim. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> How do you say that word? Of what? I guess also because maybe when we were growing up, like, I was, like, super into Sondheim yeah. and you weren't as much. Yeah. Who is your favorite hero or protagonist character in a musical? And who is your favorite villain or antagonist character? I mean, I think I like characters that are, like, complex that might not be, like, hero or protagonist Exactly. I mean, I think of like, um, like for example, like Mama Rose, like Mm -hmm. could be actually, could fall, I feel like into, depending on whose perspective in the show you're taking, like protagonist or antagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like that character a Mm -hmm. lot. And like, Bobby and Company is a very, like, likable slash unlikable character. Mm-hmm. Not that he's my favorite, but I just... You like just, characters like that. Characters like that, where it's, like, they're not necessarily, like, all, you know, one or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, even George in Sunday in the Park with George yeah. is annoying and in a lot, a lot of the time and, yeah, like, not totally likable mm-hmm. so just like pe- characters like that yeah what yeah about? i mean music man if you think like i love music man and mm-hmm. like harold hill is obviously like bad like <laughs> ostensibly bad yeah um but likable and like you root for him mm-hmm. um so what about villain 
characters. I feel like so many of the musicals I can think of right now, the villains are like war. <laughs> like like a concept. Like, I don't know. I don't know, hair just came to mind, not as like a mm-hmm. villain hero thing, but as like a show I really like. Mm-hmm. And the villain is like the Vietnam War. Yeah. Or uh, the government. The government. That's yeah. sending you know, right. sending right. them to war. Right. Yeah. Um so that's interesting. Just having <laughs> villains that are um ideas mm-hmm. but a uh, person i mean like the witch from into the woods could be considered like yeah. a villain that i she like is. yeah and <laughs> i like her so yeah yeah cool what is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state you didn't think was possible to get to i don't often get, like, very emotional Mm -hmm. during shows. Like, I... eh, Sometimes I cry. Very rare. Mm -hmm. So, I think I was definitely, like, emotionally affected from uh, In Next to Normal, Superboy, and The Invisible Girl. Mm -hmm. And I think because, like, it just was, like, a perspective that, like, was you know, needed to be heard in the show. Yeah. And, like, it was definitely, like, emotional to hear it. And it, I, it wasn't, like, the... Like, you think of that show, and you think of, like, the mom as, like, the emotional, like, apex. Mm-hmm. And I was just surprised that that song was... I mean, it probably hit home more, but, like... I was surprised that that song, for me in that show, was the most emotional. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to our topic, which is the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, which we just watched as part of Andrew Lloyd Webber's um, streaming of the shows, The Shows Must Go On, or I think it's called... um, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about a few things about this show. Um, uh, first, I guess, talking about how it's kind of a show for kids, but also um, maybe not in certain ways. Yeah, well, I, I mean, definitely watch this show while in quarantine. I mean, the movie while in quarantine, because <laughs> bizarre experience. Um, and... A very interesting movie, very bizarre movie version. Yeah. Um, And I think, like, the show, I always thought it was for kids. Like, not for kids, but, like, marketed towards kids. Mm. But then, like, I mean, definitely watching the movie, I was like, "Mm, this is not really for kids. But the movie, I think, took it beyond. Like, I think the show was much more kid-friendly than the movie. But, um... It, but then thinking back, it's, like, not written really for kids, It, but it's just very appealing to kids. Yeah. Well, it's a Bible story that kids, kids yeah. a lot of kids learn the Bible stories when they're, a lot of people learn the Bible stories when they're kids. Yeah. 
Um, but I think structurally, and that's what, you know, I wanted to talk about, was I think, like, the show... I, I think the show has elements that make it more appealing to kids, even though the text itself, like, and the lyrics, and there's moments in the show that you're like, oh, no, this is adult. Mm-hmm. Like, written for adults. Well, let's start with... Um... What makes it for kids? Anytime kids are present, like, in the musical itself, I think that makes it more appealing for kids. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a, a child, you know, it's that whole representation thing, like, seeing right. yourself on stage and you feel, like, more connected to the show. So I feel like when there are kids on stage, kids are more connected. And this show was so unique because it had... The kids chorus, mm-hmm. which was, you know, uh, I feel like there were like fifty kids on stage. It was a lot. It was a and lot they were, of kids. If I'm remembering the night, this is we, we saw, saw it in 1993. Yeah, this was the Broadway revival in '93, and there were there was a chorus, and the kids were sitting on steps like um, on either side of the stage. Um, and there, yeah, there was maybe maybe like fifty kids or something, and they all had yeah. different colors. Yeah. Sure. Like a rainbow, like a yeah. coat. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, and they function as a chorus, but I think, like, the fact that they were, like, very much everyday kids. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't, you weren't watching, like, kid actor. You were watching, like, kids that could be, like, in your middle school choir. Yeah. I mean, they basically took, like, yeah. choruses and they just brought them. I think they had a rotating uh rotating kids courses uh for that production but um yeah and well because also like they didn't really have characters right they were just they were really just there to like listen to the story listen to the story and And read the chorus yeah Yeah. which is interesting i feel like the movie that we just, yeah, the that one that's stream- that Andrew Lloyd Webber streamed, the 1999 with um, Donny Osmond and Maria Friedman, um, that we, yeah, that you can watch. I feel like that version brought out more the idea of, like, when you're watching something and you're really engaged and you want to be, like, a part of that story, mm-hmm. like, a part of the show. Yeah. Because the kids in the movie, like, the kids are in it. They're, like, watching it, and then all of a sudden they're in it, and then they're back. Right. And, and I feel like it just played on that idea that I feel like really did happen when you were watching the show as a kid, where you're mm-hmm. like, I want to be in it. You right. know, like, it was, I see these yeah. kids on stage, and they're like me, and, like... I want to be in it. Right. It's kind of like that fantasy of, like, you're in the audience, and then all of a sudden you're on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that really, like, played to the kids in the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and then the other elements that I feel like make this show kind of, like, theater for young audiences, but not theater for young audiences, <laughs> and not advertised as theater for young audiences, but kind of playing on those elements is it. It's really, like, a told story. Mm-hmm. So, like, nothing in the show is, like, dialogue, really. There is dialogue. Yeah, very occasionally. It's, yeah. It's like, and he said, like... Right. And then they say it. You know, it's like, it's not, like, a full scene of, like, interaction. Mm-hmm. It's very told. Right. It's not... Yeah, there aren't very many scenes without some kind of narration happening. I mean, you have a 
a whole character who's the narrator mm-hmm. um, who basically sings like the most of any character in the show mm-hmm. um, and is there constantly um, as opposed yeah. to something like Into the Woods, you know, that also has a narr- narrator character that kind of comes on, gives commentary while the scenes are like, like happening and the scenes like go off on their, as their own thing. Whereas in Joseph, like the narrator is, um, telling the story the, basically the entire time. Yeah. And it's very like, I'm going to tell you a bedtime story. I mean, that's like kind of how it's framed. Like, it's like, we're all like, even in the beginning, it's like, you know, we're all like gathering around and she's like, yeah, some folks dream. Some folks dream of the wonders they'll do Before their time on this planet is through Some just don't have anything planned They hide their hopes and their heads in the sand For those who grew up religious, like, it's very Sunday school, it's very Hebrew school, like... Yeah. It's like everybody would gather and, like you know, together maybe, or you're in your class and the teacher was like telling, like, now we're going to learn the story of Joseph today. Yeah. And I think like, but so in that way, it's almost like very different from a lot of the theater for young audiences that is out right now. Like a lot of, you know, the TYA that's out there now is like very like, um, you know, like it's like innovative and like playing with form and like um, kind of like, experimental which Mm -hmm. I love as you know I love Mm -hmm. that too but I feel like this is so interesting because it's like so engaging and it's so simple and but it also uses like all the theatrical elements in a very like straightforward way it's like if think like Aristotle's poetics like it's spectacle it's Mm -hmm. like plot it's like you know music it's all just like in a very like straightforward like this is theater. Like, we've taken this story, we've made it theater. Mm-hmm. Like, here are all the elements. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, I wanted to riff a little more on the narration part of it, um, because not only is there a narrator who's telling a lot of the story, but a lot of the songs that some of the characters sing are also told mm-hmm. songs. Like... A lot of it is characters speaking for other characters. Like in the song, One More Angel in Heaven, you've got the one of the brothers, I forget which one sings that song, mm-hmm. um, telling their father, Jacob, what happened to Joseph, which is obviously a lie. They're making up a story, but it's a form of like narration where Joseph's story in that moment is being told. Father, we've something to tell you, a story of our time, a tragic but inspiring tale of manhood in its prime. You know you had a dozen sons, well now that's not quite true, but feel no sorrow, do not grieve. He would not want you to. There's one more angel in heaven. 
also Benjamin Calypso, uh, where much later in the show when Joseph is now uh, in the... Second in command. Yeah, second in command. He's in the Pharaoh's palace. His brothers come to him during the famine um, to get food, and he he rec- he sees them. They don't recognize him, so he like plays a little trick on them where he um, plants something in Benjamin his brother Benjamin's sack, like a goblet, um, and then you know finds it and accuses him of stealing. And all the brothers they rally around him and. Um, like try to defend him with this song right it's like basically telling about benjamin yeah again it's not benjamin speaking for himself it's he doesn't really speak at all it's more like uh judah is the one that sings it um he's the one speaking for his brother he's giving he's the narrator in that sense Mm -hmm. in that moment Also, just generally, there's the all the dreams in the story. There's mm-hmm. so many song sections of people telling their telling their dreams, which yeah. is another form of narration. I mean, really, the whole show is about stories, right? I mean, if you think about like it's like the stories of the dreams, the the overarching story, of course, but and then like everything is kind of like each little place that joseph kind of like falls in somebody's kind of like telling a story Mm -hmm. like um you know in the jail the baker and the butler are telling the story in you know when he gets to the palace like you know they're telling the story there i was standing in front of a vine I picked some grapes and I crushed them to wine. I gave them to Pharaoh, who drank from my cup. I tried to interpret, but I had to give up. Right, it's stories and what do they mean? And in this case, the meanings are important. And Joseph, as the interpreter, is the one who... And the one who understands the stories, the one who can interpret them, is the one that is elevated. Can go far, can, can become a star. To quote the, yeah. But that's that's the most elevated the like person, the most revered person in this, this society, this culture, this story, is the person who is the one who is able to interpret stories. But let's go back into what sections of, or what moments in Joseph maybe are not quite for kids that, um... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not, like, a kid show. Mm-hmm. Which also, as a kid, is also, is sometimes more exciting to see. You know, you mm-hmm. like, when people do theater for younger audiences, and it feels like talking down or talking, or, or like, a show that's kind of like sheltering them it can be very off-putting but this show is clearly like not 
just for kids mm-hmm. and and has some things that you know as a kid probably like went way over my head yeah and then seeing it and thinking about the show again I'm like oh whoa yeah racy well probably uh, Potiphar yeah the, that whole sequence Potiphar's wife um and kind of like seduces joseph and like Mm -hmm. entraps him and um he says like i don't believe in free love yeah and i think as a kid i like knew that line i had no idea like what it meant right but like i it didn't really like as a kid it didn't matter it was like oh this show is exciting and now it's like oh this is not just a story for for kids But my wife would never tell the line. It's all there in chapter 39 of Genesis. Don't believe everything you read, dear. She was beautiful, but evil. So a lot of men against his will. He would have to tell her that she still was his. Your mind. Also, like the musical styles make it not just for kids like we were when we were watching the movie like commenting how each song is really in a different musical style yeah and that like really calls on like as an adult watching it you're like oh like this now is... we're in jazz now yeah. we're in smooth jazz now we're in like brassy jazz now, now we're in like 60s like mod, mod yeah you know <laughs> so um, as a kid, you don't, like, have that knowledge of all the different musical styles, so you're just, like, watching a show. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, it's, like, a send-up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um... It's like a different la- layer. Yeah, it is interesting, because I think as a kid, when we saw it, remembering, like, I kind of knew, you know, Benjamin Calypso was obviously Calypso. Like, that is, like... Well, they titled it. Right. But it, yeah, but now, like, thinking back, like, it didn't really occur to me as a kid that they were using all these different styles. That kind of, that, it all kind of still felt like one piece because I just didn't have the musical knowledge Mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah, another thing um, I think that makes this really good for kids is just the overall use of ensemble. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, there's no real main character. I mean, Joseph is the title character. Right. But, I mean, the narrator has the most singing. I feel like the narrator has... I'm Somebody somewhere may have mapped this out, but I, <laughs> but I feel like the narrator sings more in Joseph than Joseph does. Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it is, like, just so many choral numbers and so many dance numbers, and, like, if you were... were it, I didn't do this show as a kid, but if you did this show as a kid, I'm sure it was great because, like, mm-hmm. everybody had so much to do. There's a lot like, of chorus. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah. A lot to do. And, I mean, if you really think about it, like, Joseph, 
really only has one song by himself, which is Close Every Door to Me. Yeah. I mean, Any Dream Will Do. Any Dream Will Do, and the ensemble comes in. He leads it, but... um, well, the ensemble comes in and clo- the ensemble's always there. Yeah, the ensemble, like the music, the using the ensemble musically is a part of the show, like throughout. If my life were important, I would ask, will I live or die? But I know the answers lie far from this world. from close every door he doesn't really have any other like dramatic solo moments yeah i don't there may be one more because any dream will do is more of like the kind of comes more in the prologue section prologue slash opening section so like if you like if you were one of the brothers who has a song you probably have as much singing to do as Joseph does yeah. in the show, you know. So it's very, it's so ensemble heavy. I think more than really most shows, any other shows that I can think of. Um, and also, just musically, the ensemble, the ensemble lines in songs that are that ha- are first solo songs, but then the ensemble comes in are so much a part of the songs. Like I can't imagine, like any dream will do without the, right. you know, ah, such a like the chorus in, is like yeah. built in it's such an integral part of it doesn't feel like he show, wrote the, the song. song like it doesn't feel like he wrote a song for joseph and then added the chorus it feels like the chorus was like always a part of right the writing of the song and i don't know if that's true or not but that's how it feels yeah to and it. so many of the songs have that like um the one more angel in mm-hmm. heaven. You have the ah. uh, yeah. You have that in there. There's one more angel in heaven. There's one more star in the sky. Joseph will never forget you. It's tough, but we're gonna get by. There's one less place at our table. There's one more tear in my eye But Joseph, the things that you stood for Like truth and light never die I 
love the Mega Man. The show really takes uh, takes things to extreme in the the finale with the um, it's called Joseph. I think it's just called Mega Joseph Man. Mega Mix, um, where it's just like a big. It's it feels like a big dance party basically. So another like interesting mm-hmm. thing that I think um, relates a lot to kind of the idea of it appealing to kids and being like an interesting structure to a show is like that it has this prologue well it has like a prologue but mm-hmm. then it has any dream will do and it which is like another prologue and it just like for so long in the start to the show they're telling you like exactly what's gonna happen they're really like outlining kind of like the events of um the show the crash of drums the flash of light my golden coat flew out of sight like he's losing his coat like he's gonna lose his coat like they're telling you what's gonna happen yeah it is weird to have him go through that moment like that oh my god i've lost my coat like in that prologue before he's even before anything has even happened yet yeah and they're basically like prepping the audience for Mm -hmm. the show which as someone who works in a you know that's something i do you know i'm a teacher for students with autism so when I take them to the theater I prep them to see the show and I tell them everything that's going to happen and everyone's always like oh what about spoilers you know and it's like it doesn't matter because it's about how the story's told and I think that's something this show like that is like core to the show it's like we all know the story we all know what's going to happen but it doesn't matter. It's exciting to see how it's told. It's, it's, it's the meaning is in the telling of the story. Mm-hmm. Like the excitement is in the telling of the story and not the story right. itself. And even if you don't know the story, even if you didn't like hear the story before. Well, it doesn't matter. They tell you. Right. But <laughs> I mean, even so, I, I mean, it just sets you up to know that something, you know, something's going to happen to the coat. Yeah. You know, which um, is... I think is not a spoiler. It's like, it only adds to the, it's like a foreshadow. Yeah. It only adds to being like intrigued and to see like what happens. Yeah. But I think even her prologue narrator's prologue also like sets people up for Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. You know, the, at least emotionally, like the arc of the show. Mm hmm. Yeah, and giving the themes, like, yeah. dreams, like, a lot of this is going to be about yeah. dreams, um, and, uh, yeah, like and where stories. you are in life, like, kind of, like, your life journey and what, how you get taken to one, you know, like, the events just unfold, like, Joseph, like, finds himself in Egypt, and, right, you know, how that changes, yeah, kind and- of, the course of things. Then all I need is an hour or two To tell the tale of a dreamer like you We all dream a lot Some are lucky, some are not But if you think it, want it, dream it Then it's real You are what you feel But all that
the story of a boy whose dream came true And it could be a story about someone who it's interesting because it's he's not really active most of the time you know things happen to him which is like storytelling like is you know 101 is you don't want a protagonist like that but that's kind of what happens to Joseph and that you know his brothers sell him into slavery then he he's actually doing a really good job as a slave but thumbs <laughs> up <laughs> He has a special relationship with his master, but um, he, but then the master's wife, you know, uh, ru- yeah, ruins it for him. Yeah. He gets put in jail, like, um, and it's not like he devises a plan to get out of jail. He just happens to be, like, good at telling dreams, mm. good at interpreting dreams, and uh, it's recognized by other people. Um, yeah, he never is like, hey, let me out. I can, like, predict the future. Like, it just, people find out and people, like, take him out of jail. Like, he doesn't even try. Yeah, he's kind of, yeah. I guess, yeah, and I guess, like, what part of what the narrator is saying is that, like, you know, you just have to trust in what you know is, like, a strength in yourself and trust that that is going to lead you through whatever happens to you in your in your life story we're also i i was also thinking about like how the telling of the story being so paramount to the um like value system in the show like Mm -hmm. it's very highly valued to tell a story and to interpret a story yeah is and and the fact that they kind of like this story is very told. It's just very Jewish and, mm-hmm. like, remi- you know, reminds me a lot of Passover. I mean, it's obviously the precursor to the Passover story. Right. It's not exactly. It's not the Passover story. <laughs> it happened bef- many, many years before, but yeah, it, it places the Jews in Egypt. Right. As we near Passover, it relates to the Seder and how we're... It, the Seder is all about telling the mm-hmm. story, and it's all about telling the story each year over and over, even though you know what's going to happen, the importance of just telling a story. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, this show brings out that value of just, like, the importance of telling a story and telling it in a way that's going to be engaging and that will pass it on to younger people, which is also something that happens at the Passover Seder. It's the Mm -hmm. importance of, like, teaching the children at the Seder what the story is and the history. And this, like, because there's the children's chorus and they're listening and reacting to the story, it is, um, like, reinforcing that Mm -hmm. ideal. Yeah. That value. Okay, let's move on to our Why Is This So Good section. And we're going to talk about uh, the song It's Time from (laughs) the musical Big, which is another show for kids um, that we saw as kids. This, uh, I guess, more as like as preteens. 
um, which is the like the right age, I guess, for the sh- the musical Big, which was about 1996. I think it, yeah, 96 yeah. was when it was on Broadway, um, and it um, it didn't do well on Broadway, uh, even though it I think it got a good review in the Times. There are a but... lot of factors, and you can read about them in <laughs> the book Making It Big. Yes, which we both read. Um, but yeah, we very much enjoyed the show when we saw it as preteens. Um, so, uh, you've picked the song It's Time, which is in the second act. Why did you pick this song for Why Is This So Good? I know, you really, you really questioned why I I did, because I, I, if I were to pick a song from Big, I was, I was just surprised, because this was, would not be the song I would pick. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, in all honesty, it's not like a perfect song I wouldn't say like oh you want to write a song look at it's time because it's so great (laughs) but I feel like in the context of the show it's so like interesting and needed and it is like thinking about I guess thinking about Joseph and why I was interested in talking about Joseph because the idea of like it's a show you know, being kind of like a show that is so appealing to kids, but not all for kids. I think Big is similarly, like, was definitely put out to be marketed to kids. Mm-hmm. And, but when you actually think about the content of the show, it is so many adult, it has so many adult moments And I feel like this song is the song that really, like, speaks to the kids. And I just remember, like, seeing this show and feeling, like, so excited by this song. It's like the kids are at the mall and they're hanging out and they do, like, um, you know, there's, like, music created with their soft drinks and they're, like, blowing bubbles and moving their straws to make different parts of the music. And I just was, like so excited about that and um I and and just like where the song is placed in the show so it's right after cross the line cross that line which is the end of act one which is the end of act one but it ends on like a very adult moment it's like a fun song and you're like yeah cross that line kids and adults are dancing together but then he he has the kiss so it's like ends on a very adult moment of like Josh is moving away from his young friends and moving into this like adult space. So the song It's Time like brings you back to the idea of like, oh no, like he is a kid. This is where he should be. This is where he's supposed to be. And he's not. And like, this is the life that he like is not living at this moment and i and then right after that song is stop time which is like another very adult song with very adult emotions it's the mom kind of like missing josh and feeling like everything you know kids grow up too fast and time should stop which is like something it would be very hard for a kid to relate to that idea. And so I feel like this song is just so important in the show for the kids watching to be like, to connect to like that 
and for the adults watching. I think it's important for the adults watching too because the adults also need to be brought back to like where Josh should be mm-hmm. and like where and like what the contrast between like what's happening to him and like the feelings of the kids, you know, like just mm-hmm. they they need to be like reminded of the difference between like the emotions of like the two groups. Like these guys are uh, <laughs> thinking about like you know hanging out in a group and like it's not a date and like you know who will I see like, and we've like gotta get to the mall. Yeah, like, gotta get to the mall, <laughs> and it's just like so different from, like, the things that, you know, adults think about. I need to get with some of the gang. Come on. It's time. We'll beg. We'll fight. feel like that's why I think it's so good because it really is like the preteen brain mm-hmm. right there the mid-90s preteen the mid-90s brain. <laughs> preteen brain the mall going to the mall I mean it is like at the time that I saw it I was in sixth grade mm-hmm. and it was just like so relatable I was like yeah I just want to hang out with my friends at the mall but like you know I still wanted to just be like friends it's not a date it's the mall um yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and we also get in this song billy who's the josh's friend Mm -hmm. character um from you know his childhood friend um that his feeling of josh's betrayal yeah of moving like going into this adult world since he's a grown-up looking person now and not hanging out with him and not being a friend to him. So he sings this rap. Um, <laughs> but it's very, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, it almost feels like the, the writers, like, knew that this was just a silly thing. And they kind of referenced the yeah. fact. You know, he says, I'm so pissed, I'm talking like a rapper. And he's like, nothing's worse crap than a... Real than a white Polish boy from Jersey talking rap. Like, he's like... He knows it's ridiculous. Like, they know it's ridiculous. It's like, I mean, but yet, in a way, like, he's so angry that, like, this is his musical expression. Like, he's gotta shout, you know? He's gotta, like, he's gotta rap, in a way. Like, there's no other... Like, he's not going to, like, start singing, like, a tenor line in this moment, you know? Right. Like, he's got to, like, just Yell let out. out this anger. Time to hang with the gang out at the mall. But my best friend still didn't call. All the plans we made are in the grabber. I'm so pissed, I'm talking like a rapper. Chew on this, I'm pissed because you dissed me. It was time to come home, but you boy from jersey talking rap and it is like just the real emotions of like and i think i like the song because of that too it's like of course the emotions to an adult sound silly 
But, like, to a kid, those are, like, the real emotions. Like, my friend is not calling me. Like, I feel dissed. I'm, like, upset. You know, those are, like, that is what kids go through and what they think about all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, yeah, it's very real. And also, in the 90s, you know, a lot of kids were very excited about rap. (laughs) Because it was, like... (laughs) You know, yeah. the interesting, you know, new right. music. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't new, but it was new to them at yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. When you're coming when you're up, when you're on teen. your musical journey. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid. As a kid, right. As Yeah. Especially as a, a white Polish kid from Jersey. You know? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, there's just, there's certain lines that for me just get a little we're the big kids that we're bad and we're mean. Yeah. Um, it's, we go to flicks rated PG-13. Like, I, the ending part there for me just gets a little, like, uh, like, I kind of just too, too commenta- commenting on itself, like. Like, too much adults writing kids. Yeah. Talking. Absolutely. like while I I wish I wish kids had actually written this song (laughs) I mean like I think this song is so needed and so good in the show because of like again like what I talked about structurally but like Mm -hmm. I wish kids had written the lyrics to this song Mm -hmm. and not or like even though I love Malfi and Shire yeah or just some kind of like I don't know, the way Elizabeth Swados were runaways where they, you know, she, like, there were interviews with kids and they, like, extracted exact lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think that's how they wrote this. No, no. (laughs) I mean, I think this show and Joseph, like, definitely stand out to me because there were clearly kids, like, present in much of the development process of the show. Like, I feel like you can tell when a show was written, I mean, just, like, shows that have a lot of kids in it mm-hmm. have to have kids there in the development process because right. they have to do those parts right. in workshops and things. And I think even though it's not, like, 100% authentic, I feel like it definitely is more authentic <laughs> than mm-hmm. somebody, like, writing in a bubble. Like, it should the presence of kids in the development of this show... Yeah. And in Joseph, I think, you know, through the chorus, like, shows. Mm-hmm. And is even more contrasted because this has, like, the act... Like, Joseph and Big are even more contrasted because, like, with the chorus and Joseph, they were probably brought in just towards the very end mm-hmm. to, like, sing those choral parts. But, like, here, they, like, had to develop the show with a bunch of kids. Yeah. There's no way around it. Um, another thing I like about this song is that it starts out with the musical themes from the opening number. Yeah. For the kids. The da 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 I'm freaking out, fuck, here on this street. I'm gonna die from being alone. Got to go where there's people to 
like it's a callback to that where that was also a song the opening number is also a song where there's like that conflict between kids and adults yeah um and i think it's really smart that 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 theme is brought back here in a song that's basically about you know i mean the whole show is about that but right where like that's the opening number specifically is like the kids and the adults you know yeah. each singing whereas like this is the kids just singing but there's that like kind of um but josh is the adult now. right and, and there's that he's not there he's not also singing in the song but there's he's like the his absence is like the adult part, yeah you know um kind of just his presence is felt um there so uh i i just really love that callback to the opening number yeah music and it's just really fun when you make music with your soft drinks yeah i never did that at the mall but speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) but it just was i think like i felt like a new and exciting thing in 1996 Mm-hmm. Now it's like whatever Foley in shows is like, you know, Foley sound type stuff in musicals is like... What's Foley sound? Like um, objects making the sound okay. instead of like an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's like done a lot. But I felt like mm-hmm. in 1996, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. they're making music with their soft drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to our final section, Something Wonderful, where we talk about um, something in musical theater, either upcoming, which will be far away from now if it's upcoming, or um, current in musical theater uh, that we are excited about or want to give a shout out to. Yeah, I mean, I'm ex- I, it, we're in, like, such a different time now with all the virtual mm-hmm. programming. Yeah. That I, I, I mean, I've kind of been, like, overwhelmed by all the virtual programming, but I am excited to, like, dig into it and, like, watch, you know, as much as I can. And I've been, like, reading a little bit of the plays at home, or, like, writers have written... Um, like uh, sh- very short plays to be enjoyed at home it's playathome.org um, and I've been watching Seth Rodetsky, Stars in the House and just kind of like trying when I can to take in that like digital content because mm-hmm. um, it does feel like I mean some of it will be like archived and around for a long time but others is streaming and yeah is, is gonna be gone and so want to like try to take advantage of as much as possible um yeah it's really interesting like I would have thought you know with you know no theater that I would just watch a lot more tv just like of the tv shows mm-hmm. but I really just found myself kind of seeking out theater stuff to watch um stuff that um you know, yeah, is, are these types of programs or things that are, like, new, just, like, new content created for the moment we're in right now, 
or things that are streaming now but will be like will be taken down because um, it's just like a one-time thing or like if it's something that's up for a few days um, it is interesting like how like I still need some type of theater component in my <laughs> in my you know daily life even if it's all at home yeah I mean I think it obviously will be interesting to see like what comes out of this time Mm -hmm. in terms of um the types of shows like I feel like especially like I'm so used to creating theater with a group like I I do devise theater so Mm -hmm. I'm so used to creating theater like in a room with people yeah and so it will be interesting to see like what theater comes out um from those companies that I work with that are used to doing it that way yeah you know if that process can be reimagined um but I yeah I'm just enjoying all the virtual content and trying to get through it because there is quite a lot of it (laughs) yeah that part is over can be overwhelming very overwhelming (laughs) (laughs) I think that's it it's time to close the door (laughs) Close Close every every door door on this conversation. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to scenetosong at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by taking a moment to rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Scene to Song, on Twitter at Scene Song, and on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode. Music